What's up, MS Gymers? How you guys doing? Welcome to Motivation Monday. So, as you can see from the title of this Motivation Monday, uh, we are in our MS Mind Games series. Last week, we really talked about uh, a number of different topics, but really getting into like of talking about the conversations in your head regarding healing and do you believe that you can heal? Do you have hope that you can heal? Do you do you, have you actually taken the steps to start changing your your MS narrative and your personal narrative from one of I'm broken, I am I am beaten, I am rejected, I am abandoned to one of my body can change, my prognosis is not what they say it is movement and mindset can help me and there are people out there who care about me who love me and who accept me and i really talked about you know looking into your past and your present and your future and trying to identify the things that uh really kind of that were they were taking you out the, the things in your life that could take you from a positive i'm up in the morning ready to rock and roll in the minute i think about that one thing or that one person or that one situation, I'm like, I'm out. Like, I, I don't even know if this can work. I'm never gonna get better. So then last week, what I did is I challenged you guys to post up comments in the comment section, uh, letting me know like what is the most challenging uh, emotion that you go through with MS. And I got a ton of great responses. There was like 400 and something comments. It was fantastic. Um, and a variety of things. And so it really gave me a lot of ideas for, uh, for future Motivation Mondays and for everything that, that, we're, that we wanna be talking about. So I chose the topic of depression today because I wanna start from kind of the worst case scenario and work our way backwards and talk about the different roads that can lead us there. So a lot of people put up uh, that they were frustrated. A lot of people put up they were worried. A lot of people uh, put up that they felt worthless. A lot of people put up that they felt like a burden. A lot of people put up that they were angry. A lot of people uh, put up that they, I think I said scared, but they were fearful. Like fearful was a, was a big deal. And when you live in a constant state of fear for days, weeks, months, years, decades of what's going to happen next to me, it doesn't put you in a good place. It actually is classified as living in a traumatic environment. It is punishment, it is abusive, it is not good, right? When you're in a constant state of fear, you cannot thrive because all of your energy resources and focus are put on survival. Not, what's my next goal? What's my why? What trip am I taking next? You know, I love my husband, I love my kids, all the, all the good stuff in life. It's really hard to focus on that, see that, appreciate that, and be grateful for that when you're in a constant state of fear that is leading you and pushing you and grinding you down so far that you actually end up in a depressed state. So a depressed state, even if you think about the true definition of depression, it is here's a baseline, here's an elevation, here's a depression, here's a valley, you're pushed down below what is level, below what is balanced, below what is even okay you're not high you're not even you are low so what actually gets you there well like i said getting you there is the constant barrage of negative emotions thoughts experiences conversations interactions and and messaging going on in your brain that keeps pushing you down and down and down to the point where you're like i i don't know what to do i don't know where to go i don't know who i am and I know I have all this good stuff around me, but I just don't really care. I don't see it, and this sucks. So <clears throat> that's typically how people get to depression in, in the most basic terms. So for me, like I told you guys last week, like my biggest enemy was shame because I was bullied as a little kid. I was overweight. Like I was called every freaking name of the book, and it really, like all the bullying that happened to me uh, both physically, physical assaults, emotional assaults, spiritual assaults, mental assaults, uh, social assaults, whatever, um, that really framed how I thought, that really framed who I became and what my, my motivating factors were for how I made the decisions in my life. 
And I, I, think, I think my parents probably knew that something was going on, but I didn't admit it. Like, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a boy. Like, I'm a dude, right? I was a seventh grade boy when everything was at its height. I didn't admit it because I didn't want to sound like I was a pansy. I didn't want to sound weak. I didn't want to sound like I was doing anything to get in trouble. So, like, I just didn't tell anybody. And what this did is it added up to a cumulative effect where I had this message in my head that I wasn't good enough. So I had to constantly seek for higher and higher and higher and higher levels of achievement to prove to the world and all of those people who used to beat on me and pick on me and beat me up, who really probably never thought about me ever, to prove to them that I am who I am and I'm okay. So it was this false sense of purpose driven by the sins and the abuse of others and me allowing it to manifest in my brain because I didn't know any better. I was a child. But even as I got into like young adulthood and college years and master's degree and being a grown man, I still didn't know how to deal with it because I never really took the time to sit and deal with it. I didn't have anybody to help me. I had to figure it out on my own. So what happens is I started to get into this conversation where I would never stop working. I would never stop producing. I was constantly focused on what the next project was, which led me to constantly never being present in the moment, which broke relationships. It broke uh, you know, opportunities I had, and it really separated me out from who I'm truly supposed to be. And I never truly enjoyed what I was doing. So what happened, I was in this constant state of, of work, 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 start getting depressed, 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 tired, depressed, unfulfilled, unsatisfied, and then wham, burnout. And then that's when it hit me. I, would I wouldn't go out. I would hide in my room. I would get grumpy. I would close down. I wouldn't talk to anybody, and I would be the most negative person that I knew. I didn't want to exercise, I didn't want to eat right, I didn't want to listen to anything good, I didn't want to read anything good, I didn't want to hear anything good, I didn't want anybody blowing sunshine in my ear because I just wanted to freaking smack them and be like, you don't know what I'm going through. So I get it. I get depression. And it's something that I'm managing well right now, but will sometimes rear its ugly head if I'm not aware of the things going on in my head, the things that I'm bringing in my head, the way that I'm outputting my life, the conversations going on in my head, the people I surround myself with, the conversations I allow myself to get into. Like I have to work to stay positive. I have to work to stay strong, both physically, well not both, but including physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, socially, financially, and just individually for my own journey. So I have to work at it which is what I was talking about last week. Like it is effort to change the way that your brain thinks because your, your thoughts are so habitual. They're so habitual. And the thing is, is that once those thoughts become habitual and then you pile on years and years of trauma, abuse, uh, you know, hard times, just, just circumstantial stress. And then you throw something like MS in the mix neurologic conditions in the mix, digestive autoimmune issues in the mix, health issues in the mix, your brain actually changes. Your brain actually starts to create chemical changes to keep itself depressed because you can't handle anymore. Your brain can't handle anymore. And so for me to get on camera and talk to you guys about mindset, you may be in such a state that you may hear me expect you to change the way that you're thinking just by listening to me be like in order to heal you got to change your mind in order to heal you got to think differently in order to heal you got to think about the good things and have a grateful heart and 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 you know appreciate the people around you and, and the blue sky and the clouds and the birds and the kids and all that but if you're really in a state of depression you're like dude you don't even get it but like i just told you i do because i've been there I've had points in my life where I don't want to talk to anybody, be around anybody. I am the darkest person when I'm not in front of everybody. Sure, did I show up for, for, to see my clients that I 
rock it as a professional and give them awesome sessions? Did I cheer them on? Did I motivate them? Did I get them going? Did they leave after that personal training session having that being like, that was the best freaking part of my day? Hell yeah, I did because that is my responsibility where my clients to get in there and give them an awesome experience every time. All day. But then I would go home. I would sit in a dark house, put on some freaking melancholy Coldplay music or something and feel sorry for myself and literally sit there for hours and just reflect on why my life sucked, why I was lonely, why I was unfulfilled, why I wasn't living out my purpose. And it wasn't until I really started putting in effort and made the decision to start creating a life that would bring me the things that would possibly get me out of that depressive state to go on a journey to find out who I truly am and what I was made of that I got out of it. Am I completely out of it? No, but I actually started to master it. Am I 100% successful all the time? No. As I talked about last week, last weekend was a, was a big old defeat. But this past week of coming out of that defeat was a victory. So here's the thing, you guys, is that a lot of times with MS and with the chronic illness and everything else, like it already sucks enough that you have that you have MS. It already sucks enough that you can't you can't move right, think right, uh, function right, all that kind of stuff. And then you look at the people around you and you see the looks on their faces. You feel like you're a burden. You feel like you're worthless. You feel like you can't pull your own weight. You feel like what the hell is my point of being here? And you're like, you just start to get. You just start to be like, I can't let them see this. So you put on a, you put on a, a false face. You put on your professional face. You put on a happy face. You put on a mom face, a dad face, a husband face, a wife face, an employee face, a parent face, because you don't want your, your struggle to affect them. But let me show you what happens when that happens. I want you to take a look at some of these people. Gwyneth Paltrow. Super successful actress, super successful in Hollywood, great philanthropist, awesome lady. Abraham Lincoln, one of our greatest leaders in the United States that literally got people out of slavery. J.K. Rowling, Rowling, who wrote the Harry Potter series, one of the most successful authors in American history and British history, literally got millions of kids reading again. Amadeus, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. One of the greatest composers in the entire world ever in history that has created music that is literally being used to heal people's brains today. Robin Williams, one of the most funniest favorite actors of all time who literally had roles that people will always remember because how that he made them feel. And Chris, and Chris Farley, one of the funniest dudes that ever walked the face of this planet. Like he literally was like redefined what comedy was in the 90s. So what do all these people have in common? Gwyneth struggled so hard with postpartum depression that she would literally lock herself in her house for days and send her kids off to somewhere else to be taken care of. Abraham Lincoln was so depressed that he literally would get done with these speeches and go sit in a dark room for hours and hours and hours. And I, I heard someone say the other day, when his wife, in his wife's biography, she said that this man dripped melancholy. J.K. Rowling came from nothing. She lived in a car, rose to literary gianthood. And then, and so she, you think that she would have it together and then she had to go back into therapy and rehab because she couldn't handle the success and the money that kept coming after her. Mozart was super depressed. Terrible family life. Terrible history. And he actually used his pain to create some of the most beautiful music ever created. Now, these guys lived their life and managed their depression. Like, they, they, they may not have the highest quality of life they wanted, but they managed it. Unfortunately, these two did not. They both took their lives using substances. They both decided that not being here anymore was easier 
than the presence and the identity and the impact that they created in this world. And they're no longer here. So there's the thing, you guys. Like, like depression is an equal opportunity attacker, punisher, and executioner. Equal opportunity. It doesn't matter whether you're black, white, red, brown, purple, yellow, or green, rich or poor, man or woman, gay or straight, Christian, atheist, like whatever it means. Like it doesn't, it has, it has no regard for who you are. You do not get to outperform or outachieve or outglamour depression. It is ugly, it is rampant, and it is violent. And he's come, and he sometimes will come after you. In fact, one in five people suffer with depression, clinical depression. And I would venture to say that probably three out of five have depressive tendencies. And here's the thing. When you have a chronic illness, you are three times more likely to suffer than, from depression. So if you go, if you go clinical... That means that you go from one in five to three in five people with a chronic illness have depression. And if you actually think about three in five are clinically depressed, and then you think the other two probably have some depressing days, I think so. Why? Because we talked about it. Every dream that you once had, the person that you once were, the relationships that you once loved, the job that you once craved, the direction and the vision for your life that you once thought was possible is all of a sudden interrupted, stolen by one diagnosis, and then MS takes its sweet time to slowly erode your body, your mind, your self-worth, your identity, and who you are. And I know this isn't like super happy topic, but like it's true. You guys deal with this so much. So why does this happen? Like why do people with chronic illnesses, especially MS, like why and, and chronic pain and neurologic stuff, like why does this happen? Well, number one, you become more isolated. When you have flare-ups with MS, you don't want to leave the house. You don't want to talk to anybody. You can barely get out of bed. You can barely make it to the bathroom. You don't have the energy to speak to someone, converse with someone. You don't even have the energy to really hear them be like, you're going to be okay. You're like, I don't feel like I'm going to be okay. So like, I don't really want to hear it. Like, just leave me alone. So what happens is that with MS and with flares and all that, you tend to have more times when you recluse, when you step back, when you hide in your house, and you don't want to connect, and you don't want to be with people, and you don't want to converse with people, and you just don't want a lot of people around. Your life is made up of doctor's appointments and errands. That sucks, right? You really don't, and then what happens is, because you have to cancel more often, because you can't attend things, you start to notice that the friends that you once had start to drift. Your family starts to drift. You don't get, it, you don't get as invited to things, and so you kind of emotionally remove yourself because you're around a bunch of people who don't understand you. So the second thing is, is that with MS, a lot of times uh, there's, a, there's a higher incidence of abuse and abandonment. Because here's the thing, you guys, when you have a chronic condition, you have to depend on people more. You have to depend on caretakers. You have to depend on family members. You have to depend on friends. You sometimes have to depend on voluntary strangers who are supposedly supposed to be doing something good for you and they take advantage of the situation and of you. Unfortunately, there's some SOBs out there that choose to prey on disabled people. And I would love to meet them in an alley sometime. <laughs> but the abuse and the abandonment becomes that much more uh, stinging because you, you, you are in a state where you, you are forced to depend on people and then when they choose to leave, it hurts that much more because then you're like, what the heck do I do? How am I going to get here? 
Who's going to support me? What happens if I fall? I'm now alone. The third thing with MS is what happens is that there's a lack of medical support. You guys know. You guys have gone through it. Like physicians, PTs, docs, like all that. Like they're doing their job and they're doing the best they can considering they're allowed like eight minutes a person because of insurance regulations and Medicare and all this crap. It's a broken, flawed system. So a lot of times it, it may not be their fault per se. However, when you are feet, when you leave a doctor's appointment, there's a difference between leaving and be like, I wish I would have gotten more time with them, but at least, at least they took interest in me and they gave me some good tips. When you leave feeling rejected, neglected, cast off, condescended, or basically just like, what the heck was that for? It leaves you really not feeling good. It leaves you being like, these are the experts. These are the people that are supposed to be taking care of me and they're supposed to be helping me learn how to make myself better. But every time I go, I'm just disappointed or I feel worse about myself. That's a form of neglect and abuse and abandonment as well by those people that you loved and those people that you, are, that you, that you let yourself trust because that was their title. The third thing is finances, right? This one's easy. You can't work anymore. And then making the decision to step away from a job so you can focus on getting better has implications. And then you got to go through all the disability stuff. And then you may or may not get paid. And then your insurance may, de they, they may decline your care or laws may change or some pharmaceutical company may go out of business or whatever the heck it is. You, you have to invest money in devices and chairs and wheelie walkers and canes and caretakers and me if you want to join the membership, right? That's why I kept it like super affordable for you guys because I don't want it to be this luxury item. Like the, the, the elements in the MS gym are necessary for you to heal and we'll go over them. But finances are a big deal. When you lose the ability to create resources for your life and you become dependent on some secondary source and you become dependent on someone else for your financial well-being and legitimately your survival to buy food and clothes and heat your home and have a house, that's hard to deal with and that's hard to swallow sometimes. And then you got grief. You got loss. Loss of who you are. Loss of control of who you are today, or loss of who you were, loss of control of who you are, loss of confidence about your future, loss of loved ones, loss of your freedom, loss of independence, loss of choice. You sit there and you think about what life would be if I didn't have MS, what life used to be when I didn't have MS, what, what the future would be if I didn't have MS, or, 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 or you think about how it's going to be dictated to you because you have MS. So there's a lot of things that play into the depression of MSers and, and, and those things are not your fault. Those things that I talked about, you don't have control over. It is what it is because of the fact that you have MS. It's not to say that you can't take action, which we're going to talk about, but, for the, for, but I wanted to sit here and let you know that you're okay this is not your fault. If you're depressed, it makes sense why. If you're depressed, it makes sense why you don't want to exercise, why you don't want to eat right, why you can't think about positive stuff, and why you just want to sit here and be like, dude, how am I ever going to get started? Because you literally feel like you're pinned on your back with a giant gorilla sitting on you being like, uh-uh-uh, uh-uh-uh. You have no one, you have no choice, you have no freedom, you have no finances, you have no transportation. Why are you even going to try? And I know that some of you are there right now, and I need to let you know that it's okay that you're there right now, but I also want to encourage you that you do not have to stay there. You do not have to stay there. There are resources to help you. There are plans to help you. There are people to help you. There are people here in the MS gym that know what you're going through and they can help you. So how do we counteract this stuff? So how do you counteract it? How do you actually start digging out of the depression quicksand 
so that you can actually even think about starting to move every day, think about starting to think right every day, think about trying to calm yourself enough and really like try to de-stress yourself because you actually think, you actually know, you actually believe, and you've actually been exposed to a community and to people who are doing it just like you. They were there just like you. So the first thing I would suggest is you gotta take an inventory about what is impacting you the most out of the things that I talked about. Whether it's isolation, your medical providers, busted relationships, abuse, finances, grief, what is it? What is holding you down the most? What is killing you inside? You gotta identify that. And then you gotta figure out what actions you can take to start at least creating a life that will facilitate you having the opportunity to heal. Because just like we talk about with threat bucket stuff, all of that stuff I just mentioned is threat bucket stuff. So how do you get rid of it? How do you stop all that stuff from flowing in your threat bucket and your brain flipping out and thinking that it's like, I just got to sit in this dark, cold room because this is the only way I can survive and maybe I can move my fingers a little bit and that's about it for the day. How do you counteract this? So with isolation, you need to be in the MS gym or some other community that pours into you, supports you, enables you, loves you, encourages you, understands you, accepts you, empowers you, encourages you, and stands by you through the dark days. That's the members corner. The MS gym in its own right, where you're listening right now is awesome. Cause I can get in there. There's moderators in there. There's people talking about it, but you're limited because you can't post in here. You can post in comments and stuff like that, but it's always relative to like what we're talking about. That's why I do motivation Mondays and why Misty does Misty moments. So you guys, we can open up the floodgates and allow you guys to tell us where you're at emotionally, mentally. But the members corner itself is amazing. People post victories. People post struggles. People ask advice. People say I had a shitty doctor appointment, part of my mouth, but that just happened. I feel completely neglected. Someone just helped me. Have you gone through this? And there'll be like 30 comments in an hour where they're like, I had a, I had a bad doctor's appointment too, but it's okay. I'm here with you. I understand you. I get it. If you just need to talk, like I'm here. So you need to connect. If you feel isolated, isolation is one of the worst things you can do with depression. Second, with abuse and abandonment, man, you got to get away. There is no other option. I know that some of you are in some tough spots where you're with an abusive person or an abusive practitioner or an abusive relationship. You've got to distance yourself. And whether that means that you bring more people around to buffer, whether that means that you take some extra trips to your parents, whether that means that you find a new practitioner, whether that means that you may have to seek out an attorney and get away from that person, You've got to get away from the toxic people that are abusing you in your life. You've got to get away from the abusive and the toxic messages that you're listening to, the commiseration groups, the crappy stuff out there on social media, the crappy stuff out there in the media. Get away and surround yourself with goodness. Fill yourself with goodness. Read, listen, watch, and talk to people who make you feel better every single time that you listen to them and you walk away, you're like, I'm okay, I feel better, and just because I was in their presence, I know things are going to be okay. That was serious for me, man, because I, I allowed some bad people into my life and it jacked my world up. Lack of medical support, one thing, find a new provider. I don't want to hear the excuse, they're in my network, they're the only one I can get, or they're so close. Dude, if they are not taking care of you, boom, get them out of your life. Fire your physical therapist, fire your trainer, fire your physician, fire your Cairo. If they make you feel like less than, if they don't listen to you, if they argue with you, if they don't support your efforts to try to find treatments on your own and they don't respect you coming in as your own advocate with the knowledge that you've learned here, get them out of your life. Finances. There's a lot of assistance programs out there. I encourage you to ask for help. I encourage you to seek out ways and people to provide for your finances. Like it's going to take effort 
There, there's very few people that are going to show up at your doorstep and be like, let me pay your rent for the next year. You've got to go looking for it. You've, you've actually got to swallow your pride a little bit. Go and go ask, find an assistance program, find some help out there because they're out there. Grief, grief. Like I said, coming back to the front, connecting with other people who understand what you're going through, connecting with other people who, when you speak to them, you feel heard, understood, encouraged, educated, empowered, connect and be with people who make you feel like everything's going to be okay. And that they value you. They, 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 that you're worth it, that they're waiting for you and they want to do life with you. Those are the people you need to surround yourself with. They will help you walk through your grief and it is okay to grieve. You have permission to grieve. I still grieve the loss of my dad. I'm okay because he gives me strength through my grief. But you can use your grief as fuel to walk forward. So once you identify those and you take action to do something different, then here's what I recommend. No amount of exercise is going to cure your depression on its own. No amount of listening to positive stuff all the time is going to cure your depression on its own. No amount of just positive thinking and walking around and appreciating that like that McDonald's is, is still red and yellow <laughs> um, is going to cure your depression. No amount of you just really wanting to get better is going to cure your depression. Because here's the thing, you guys, you want to avoid the jacuzzi experience. You want to avoid listening to podcasts, listening to videos, listening to me, listen, reading a book and getting all fired up and everything else. And you, want, you read all these self-help things or you read on depression or you get educated and then you do not take action. Sitting and listening to something amazing that makes you feel good in the moment and then and this is on like a Monday or a Sunday, right? You go to your local organization and on a Sunday, you listen to this amazing message about how your life can change. And then by Thursday, you're down in the dumps again, meant that you never really took action on what you heard. You never really tried to take all that stuff in and, and analyze it and see how you could be different. For me to get up on this camera and show you exercises that are, that are neurologically proficient, biomechanically sound, and super effective. If you don't practice, you will not get better. So you've got to take action to create a life that will facilitate you healing. A body that will facilitate you healing. A mind that will facilitate you healing. Relationships that will facilitate you healing. And allow your brain to calm down enough so that it can actually think clearly. And it can actually see through the clouds around you. But I know that isn't easy to do. And you need a guide. Which is why I created the MS Gym. Yes, it was for physical. But it was for dang sure for the emotional part of it. Because I don't, you have enough to deal with and think about. I wanted you get, to get the resources that you needed. So you didn't have to think you could show up, press play, get loved on, get educated, feel better. And then be like, okay, I did this today. So the thing that you need to do, and this is what I recommend, this is what I've recommended to my clients for 20 years. This is what I recommend they do on the daily basis. Number one, guess what it is? Move your body every day, 30 minutes minimum. Stretching, releasing, walking, thinking, balancing, shifting your weight back and forth, just thinking about walking to the door and back, whatever it is, you've got to move every day and it's got to be consistent because remember what I've said in the past is that movement is the one thing that inhibits the threat response, the threat receptors in your body. That doesn't just go for, for joints and movement. That goes for your systemic systems, your autonomic system, your organs, okay? The things that keep you alive. If you, are, if you have less threat on you, there's less stress on you, which means that your brain is quieter and you can think better. So if you move, that lowers your threat so you can then think. Movement is key, which is why I'm here and why I do what I do. Number two, record your efforts. If you are someone who constantly looks in the mirror 
and looks at yourself and then turns away and forget who you are instantly. And you have to keep going back to that mirror and then you forget. And then you keep going back to the mirror and then forget what you look like. You've got to write it down. Melissa Hayes, we put up an email a couple weeks ago about what she did. She created a calendar. She wrote down what program she did. She wrote down how she felt. She wrote down when she had good days. She wrote down when she had great days. She wrote down when she had small victories. She wrote down when she had big victories. So that when you're in a valley, when you've recorded your victories while you're on the summit, while you're up top, while you're feeling awesome, then when you're in a valley and when you're depressed and when you're low, you can go back and be like, oh my gosh, I've come through this before. Oh my gosh, like I've done this before. Oh my gosh, okay, all right, dude, calm. Like I've been here. This is what I said I did last time and this worked because I got here. So let's do that again. If you record your victories while you're on the mountaintop, it is very useful when you're in the valleys. But when you're in a valley and you try to think about all the good things, it's pretty impossible. So I encourage you to start moving because I know that the human brain craves movement. And I know that the programs in here will allow you to start moving better. And when you start moving better and start getting more control and start feeling like you have an impact and you have an influence and you have a chance to counteract MS, you will start being like, I'm climbing the mountain. That was a victory. Write it down and use it when you're in the valley. So the third thing is avoid catalysts. Avoid the depression catalysts. The depression catalysts are isolation, comparison, and obsessive evaluation. Isolation we talked about. You need to keep positive relationships in your life. You don't need 50, but you need like two. So find two people in the MS gym and if they reach out to you and you feel good with them, you go with them. Do not isolate yourself. It will, it will just lead you to not good places because you have nobody else to feed anything else in your brain except for the darkness in this room that's around you. The second thing is, is comparison. If you are someone who is trying to get better and you are constantly comparing yourself to other MS gymmers, other non-MS gymmers, to your family, to your friends, to your whatever, you are going to destroy yourself. Comparison steals your joy, steals your hope, steals your optimism. Because when you look at somebody else, you don't look at the people behind you typically. You typically are drawn to looking at the people who have what you want and you're like, I can't get there. I bet they have a supportive husband. I bet they can move their legs. I bet they haven't been in a wheelchair long, as long. I bet they have the money to buy good groceries. I bet they have the money for the membership. I bet they have someone to take them to doctor's appointments. I bet they don't. I bet at one point they didn't have all this, but they found a way to do it because they made the decision that they wanted to heal. Straight up truth right there. But the thing is, if you compare yourself to other people, you don't know their story. You don't know where they've come from. You don't know the amount of work they put in. You don't know the struggles that they've gone through, the battles that they've had to overcome, and the violent opposition that they've had that they've defeated to actually get that victory. So I would encourage you to reach out to them and ask them, hey, I'm struggling. I feel like our stories are similar. Like, what did you do? That'll kill the comparison bug real quick because you will be humbled and you will get a reality check that nothing earned is ever easy. Nothing worth fighting for and accomplishing is ever given. And the third thing is constant evaluation. Obsessive evaluation. If you use every single workout as a way to decide whether you're getting better or you're getting worse, you will constantly feel like you're getting worse. You need to go into every single exercise session focusing rep by rep, day by day, workout by workout, focusing on the effort and not the results. Because if you use every single time that you go in and try to lift your foot 
Maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day. Oh, it didn't happen. 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 All you're going to do is keep pushing yourself down. But if you just focus on the, the true blessing that you can still move your body and you are not paralyzed, you have the opportunity to get better because it doesn't matter whether I'm doing this or whether I'm doing this, I'm still lowering my threat levels. I'm still fighting depression. I am still clearing my head. Whether I'm doing this or I'm doing this or I'm running in place, it doesn't matter. Movement's movement. And what's right for your body, what's the right dosage for your body is the right dosage for your body. Do not compare. And do not constantly go into every single workout being like, this better work, dude. This better work, dude. Otherwise, Trevor, you don't know what you're talking about. Dude, this better work in two weeks. I've had MS for 12 years, but dude, I better be able to walk in two weeks. Otherwise, this won't work for me. You don't know what you're talking about. Are you kidding? This is a lifelong management game at this point, and I'm walking this with you. So do not give yourself a break and do not try to evaluate yourself during every single workout to figure out if you're getting stronger and more balanced and more endurance or whatever. It's a cumulative effect. And trust me, I suck at this. I've had to work so hard and not going into every workout and like looking at myself in the mirror every day and be like, yeah, you're still this, you're still this. Because I had massive body dysmorphia and shame issues from being called a fat kid. Like big time self-esteem issues. So I would obsess over everything. Am I getting stronger? Am I getting weaker? Am I fatter? Am I leaner? Am I this? Am I faster? Am I slower? Every workout. And I hated working out. I started hating working out. When I let go of that and just trusted the process, I started to lose weight. I started to put on muscle tissue. I started to get faster. My body started to hurt less. So do not evaluate everything you're doing all the time. And the last thing that I want to talk to you about is nourish, nourish relationships. This is your daily method of operation. You move, right? You record your efforts. You avoid your catalysts. And you nourish relationships. Believe me, if you can reach out to one or two people a day and just have a relationship with them, whether you're saying, I need help, or whether you are looking to help someone else, your your, you, you, will, you will feel better. Because either you are going to feel loved by someone who's helping you, or you're going to know that you loved on someone else. And the amount of, of pure joy that happens when you reach out to someone else is kind of indescribable. So Mother Teresa was someone who you guys know about. Mother Teresa helped so many people on this planet. But there was a period of about 10 years where she literally didn't feel, she was supposed to be doing God's work, yet she didn't feel the presence of God. And, she, and people asked her in this interview, and it was in like Time Magazine, and they were like, well, how did you keep going? Like, you're supposed to be doing God's work, yet like you don't feel the presence of him. Like, Mother Teresa, how did you do this? And she's like, well... I know the truths of him. So I focused on the truth that I knew from all my years of studying and all my years of being in the church and being a, 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 a nun and all this kind of stuff. I, I, I stood solid on those truths and I helped other people. And I encourage you to do that today. When things are dark, when things are hopeless, when you don't know what the heck you're supposed to do next, I would encourage you to know that from a physiologic, endocrinologic, endocrinod, <laughs> your en from, an, from an endocrine basis, your hormones, hormonally, endocrinological, <laughs> I got to get that word down. So from, so from a movement standpoint, an endocrine standpoint, a neurologic standpoint, a physiologic standpoint, a psychologic standpoint, behavioral standpoint, social relationship standpoint, your brain can change always. That is the truth you need to stand on. At any given point, you do have control to choose this or choose this. You can stay where you're at or you can fight like hell to do something different. You can sit in the comfort of your misery because oftentimes it feels really good just to stay sad and stay bummed or you can fight like hell to move your body, connect in with other people, and actually believe this is possible.
And the second thing is, so you want to stand on those truths of neuroplasticity, stand on those truths of seeing that people are changing their bodies in here. And the second thing is, reach out and help someone. Reach out and serve someone. On your darkest days, if you're in the MS gym and you see someone who needs help, I bet you've gone through that and I bet you've, got, you've overcome it and you're like, oh my gosh, I went through this, I can help someone. Maybe parts of your depression you have so you can help someone else and once you help someone else, it's going to help you conquer and control that part of your depression because you gave it to someone else, it worked for them, therefore it validates that it really did work for you and you're like, I got you squashed, I got you mastered. I got other parts to work on still, but I got you. I got your number. So stand on the truths that you are learning in here. Number one, reach out to other people and serve them. Number two. And then I would say three would be go through that daily method of operation. Okay. Of moving your body, fueling your body, thinking clear, recording your progress, reaching out to people and avoiding those catalysts. So in conclusion, you guys, like I know this is a big topic. I know I've been talking for a while, but this is very, very important stuff. Because if I can't get you to move, you cannot heal. If I can't give you some words of encouragement that's going to plant that little tiny seed that's like, maybe this will work, like, Maybe I should just try to do a couple exercises. Like, like my hands work, I'll do that. Or my neck works, maybe I'll do some neck stuff. Like, I'll, maybe I should try this out. Like, if I can't get you out of, the, out, of that, out of that quicksand, you'll never heal. So this stuff is so important to me. The mindset stuff is so important to me. And, and it is vital that you understand that you are safe here. That you are understood here. That we understand that depression, as much as you can go out there and everyone's like, you're just, you just got to get over it. You just got to start thinking better. Like, you need to go read the Bible. You need to go listen to Tony Robbins. You need to go do that. Just go do that. Go, go exercise. Just whatever. Like, no, it's not that easy. Because when all you know is abuse and punishment and being beat down, that's the only way that you function. And that's the only way your brain knows how to function. And until you convince it that, that, that moving better and thinking clear and, and bringing new people into your world uh, is safe, you won't heal. So I know today that many of you are dealing with depression. You're going into depression and you feel like your life is out of control. And I've, I've got to let you know without sounding cliche, like it's not out of your control. Like you have... Today, as much as yesterday and as much as tomorrow, you have the choice to step forward and move towards a different future. You have a, ch you have a choice to start living your life by design, centimeter by centimeter. It's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to just wake up tomorrow and you're like, Ta -da! I'm good, and you're healed. Like It doesn't happen like that. This is a process. That is why we're here. That is why we do these, these, these videos. That is why we do the exercises. That is why we created a community because we know that this is a journey of ups and downs. It is not linear. You will backtrack. You will have struggles, but you will also have successes, victories, and you will overcome a lot in here if you stick and stay and if you realize that this is a long-term project and not a get-fixed-quick whatever hobby that you picked up. So I realize that you can't just step out of depression. I realize that as much as I just want to take you from here and move you here so you can go, that's not part of your story. So don't feel bad and don't ever let anybody make you feel shamed oh, or weak for struggling in your mind. Because as long as you're struggling, that means that you haven't given up. Because if you're struggling, if someone's on top of you and you're struggling, that means you're not letting them win. So I encourage you today, somebody needs to hear this because I'm crying. <laughs> if you're struggling, that means that you're trying. If you're struggling, that means you haven't quit. If you're struggling, that means that you actually, there's, there's a little, however big that part is like, there's part of you that wants to get better and believes you can get better. It means that you're trying. And all I can say to you is like, just keep going. 
reject those lies, keep focused on what you're doing, because what you, if you do this every day, if you focus every day, if you focus on moving, recording, avoiding those catalysts, and just connecting with the right people, if you focus on just moving your body daily and connecting with the right people and then helping others, you're gonna look back in a couple months and you'll be like, I'm climbing. I'm climbing. Like, I've been there, you guys. So I know you can do it. So I love you guys so much. And on this Thanksgiving week here in the United States, I need to let you know that I am, there's no words to say how thankful I am for you. There's no words to tell you or express how thankful I am that I get to do this right now. Like I feel privileged and honored and blessed to be able to actually do this with you, for you, and, and by you. Because if no one said yes to the MS gym, then I would just <laughs> be sitting here talking to the wall to myself in the mirror. So I love you guys, and I, from the bottom of my heart, Misty and I value each and every one of you so much. We know that this struggle isn't easy. We know that you've got a long road ahead of you. We know that you've tried multiple things in the past and have failed, and there's not a lot of reason why you should expect this to work. However, there are thousands of MSers right now using the MS gym, using the free resources, using the membership, and they are being set free. And they're rejoining their families. <laughs> And they get to celebrate Thanksgiving with a sense of freedom that they haven't had in years this year. I didn't really think I was going to get this emotional, but I love you guys so much. And I'm sorry for those people who have hurt you in the past. But just know that in my house, in your house, in this house, you won't get hurt. This is safe. This is secure. You are loved here. You are welcomed here. You are accepted here. We believe in you here. And there's nothing else on the entire planet that I want than to see you happy and see you healthy and see you in control of your life again. So you let me know what you need and I'm here. I love you guys. Thank you for letting me speak to you today. Thank you for letting me share parts of my, my heart, my struggle, and my journey with you, and I hope it helped you out. I love you guys so much. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and, uh, and I'll see you soon. All right.